0: I'm uh, pretty easily impressed. Yeah. Chat GPT's dad jokes. I get it makes me laugh almost as if I'm talking about them with an old friend.
1: It's like a robot dad or a <clears throat> an android older drunk uncle that just comes up with the, whatever you tell it to. Everybody's all worried about ChatGPT, like like going into like
0: becoming like a virtual friend. Like our kid, the saying is our kids' kids are not going to have any real friends.
1: They're going to just have these virtual AI friends. Well, th- those virtual AI friends are never going to steal your girlfriend. So I'm kind of okay with it. I see. I don't know about that because <laughs> what nobody
0: ever talks about is while they're all like AI this AI that on the other side of the fence, the robotics people are p- making these humanoid robots that are getting better and better and better. Yeah. So by the time our kids have kids, those humanoid robots are going to be infused with the AI and then it's going to be like real, you yeah. are going to have real fake friends, like real robots, like in all the sci-fi shows that we watched as kids.
1: Yeah. And it all, all began in the old days when, do you remember something called Dr. Spatezo? No. It was a, it was a, a la, like an IBM, uh, pseudo artificial intelligence, like doctor that you can install. This is like the late eighties, early nineties. It was called Dr. Spatezo. And it was the first time I was like trying to make friends with a robot, like a, Program Because huh. you could ask it anything. I mean like, Dr. Spade, so uh, I have a cough and uh, a slight fever. And he'd say, well. But then you could ask it like personal questions. That was kind of like a fun thing. And it mm. would give you like really weird answers. But now it's like uh, they're approaching consciousness, right? Yeah, we're almost there. That's scary. There. The first one of these uh, AI things was a was a program called Eliza, And that was back
0: in like the late 70s, I think early 80s. And I remember having this when you had to program the computer, you would type in the lines of basic code. And so my father worked in selling like big computer systems to companies like oh, cool. years ago before the PC like even existed. So he had a terminal in his office. So on school vacations, we would always sit there bored out of our minds. So I get this book on programming and I programmed the Eliza program into this computer. Holy crap. And Eliza was basically just like a therapist yeah, that's that, what Dr. Spazo yeah, was. So you could just type in and and it would seem as though it was actually answering you. And it was even then, you know, I typed in all the responses. You know, you had to. Oh, you like pre-programmed yeah, what it was? Yeah, because it wasn't say. a language model. Right. It wasn't like generating like an independent so thought. It was just spitting out sentences that were pre-populated right. into the program. But even then, I remember thinking how weird it was that it seemed to
1: have this yeah.
0: elemental consciousness, you know. It is weird.
1: <laughs> <don't> know, <laughs> listen, it's all coming and people, I listen to these uh, paranormal shows and stuff. I love that stuff. Mysterious Universe. Uh, shout out my favorite paranormal podcast, but there are, this always comes up, you know, annually. AI and what it could possibly do and the singularity and what will happen with, like, androids' rights and at what point are they going to demand, you know, some kind of representation in Congress, you know, that sort of thing. Jesus. Yeah, but it's like something... I can't even get humans representing people in Congress. <laughs> if you can't... Like, Washington, D.C. doesn't even have a senator. But... <clears throat> so, like... Well, it's that's, a, that's a whole can of worms that yeah. you just opened right there. Do you want to talk about taxation without representation in the District of Columbia? I'm just saying if they're not represented, maybe robots won't get represented. Yeah, or
0: what sort of ethical obligations are right. due to an entity that was not born of a human but has what yeah. you would consider elemental
1: consciousness? Like, can you assault and kill one of those things? Is there abuse that can be charged against a, an owner of an android that is, uh, you know, why was I programmed to feel pain? And you're like, shut up and get me my pie. Or you know, what about like, what about rape? What about like oh, Jesus? The idea yeah. of I wasn't like, wasn't even thinking. That. What about
0: the idea of like sex bots, like sex robots? Do they have any rights? No, no, they <laughs> have zero. There's one thing you can. I mean, be women sure don't, of.
1: women don't even fuck. Can't even get fucking rights. Like half yeah. the time, like that's true. But. um, I think it's a mathematical certainty that sex robots will never have rights. Because then, what's the point? Uh, well, but that, but I mean, what what does that say about the human condition? Well,
0: I think we know something about the human I mean, you, condition. I mean, because you and I sitting here know intuitively like this is that humans going are to going happen. to treat these things yeah. terribly. Right. Right. Yeah, it's uh, even now I tell Alexa to shut the fuck up right? sometimes. You should hear my but kids I, I turned Alexa into a man. Oh, well, I see. The male voice. <laughs> it's whatever you're into. <laughs> well, but it's a new world. And the funny thing is I don't I don't tell her to shut up as much. You that feel is such bad. a weird, like misogynistic thing that's residing in my head. Like I can huh. tell the female Alexa to shut up, but the male Alexa, I'm like, I don't do it as much. Wow, wow, wow I've uh, just I've just realized something about myself. That's a break. Yeah. That is. You can. The funny thing about Alexa is you set it to a male voice, but you can't call it Alex. You still have to call it Alexa.
1: Well, it's a gender neutral, I name. guess. I mean, yeah. which, okay, whatever. But the, the other voices available, right, for yeah. Alexa Mr. are Mr. T.
0: You can get uh,
1: Gottfried. No, you can get
0: a, two different kinds of British voice, male or female, Australian male mm. or female, or Indian male or female, oh. but it's
1: Indian and English.
0: Like the British so Indian accent? The I the love weather, that. The weather today would be. You know, uh, like it's one of those deals, I and love I'm like that vaguely makes me vaguely uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I always like the South African e accent when they do that on Eerie, uh, Eerie yeah. Siri. Yeah, she's e- my favorite. Eerie, um, Eerie, Siri. We should probably, uh, and we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages. Oh, shit. The loudest silver bells <laughs> I've ever heard. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in the pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. I'm Mike the Elf. And boy, do we have a show for you. Today on RMA, we prepare for the holiday season, we're in the holiday season, and this, Monster's is the RMA Holiday Spectacular. Ocular, ocular, ocular. Listen as we discuss addiction, recovery, getting through the holidays, narcissism, (laughs) capitalism, and all of the isms you want to hear about. All this and more today (laughs) on a very special holiday edition of RMA. And welcome to Castle Grayskull. (laughs) <laughs> Which is your house, so it's kind of weird for me to welcome you. But welcome to the basement of my home. Welcome nonetheless, and lawn. welcome, Monksters, mun- Welcome all. The laundry is piled up. The Christmas tree is lit. Yeah. You know. You see, I moved my desk down here. I see that you yeah. had threatened to do it last week. Yeah, and you had some um, some concerns that perhaps Erin uh, would wouldn't be completely okay with.
0: it. Yeah, I don't know if she likes having that space upstairs.
1: Honestly, it's cold. But it's cold down here too, so. Oh, I like the blue mic. It just looks cool. I don't know if it sounds good. I don't think it actually works. Yeah. It's a nice prop though. we should use that when we start doing video episodes. Yes. So I figured I thought what we would do today, yes. since Nat and I
0: doing? could not figure out what to do about the show, is we would kind of brainstorm a couple of topics that had caught our interest that we had have covered before, but really not delved so deeply into that they didn't merit another discussion, so mm. the two we came up with, and this was just off the cuff shit uh Christmas is a great time of the year for narcissists and narcissistic behavior so we we're, we're going to uh dip into a little bit of narcissism, yeah, and uh you had some some special concerns that you know the the term narcissistic and narcissist is overused oh yeah, we'll, we'll get into that, yep, but yep. everyone's a narcissist, who you don't like, and then you also hit me out of the blue the other day you were like. What do, do you know about this guy, uh, Doctor Albert Ellis, who started cognitive behavioral therapy? Right, you yeah. were having Dr. Interesting, Ellis. Dis- d- interesting discussion, and and uh, I had heard of him because somebody mm-hmm. years ago had recommended I go to one of his sessions downtown. He he used to have these R E I T sessions where they'd sit you in the middle of the room and then he would perform therapy on you and in a oh, in wow. an exacting and
1: and somewhat confrontational manner sort of exploitative yeah but I, so I never took him up with that so we're gonna talk about that yeah I never heard of him uh, my business partner is a clinical psychologist and we get into these long discussions he's not like an addiction expert you know but um, so sometimes he just says these throwaway lines when we're discussing something oh you know the father of cognitive behavioral therapy you know dr. Ellis and I said no actually I, I didn't know that I love cognitive behavioral therapy I used it I'd love to learn more about this kooky Dr. Ellis. Well, we're going to learn more about the kooky Dr. Ellis and uh, narcissists, and then <laughs> the kooky
0: doctor behind cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> it's bound to sell. Patients hate when he does this one thing. Um, the also, the New York Times this week put out like this humongo. Um, article in the, uh, thought piece, I guess you'd call it the Sunday opinion yeah. on, um, what to do about addiction in
1: America. It was like an, Did almost like up a, a book. A, is it an answer in there?
0: There's, um, just like take a, me
1: to the answer. That's all I want to
0: know. Well, there's like a six point plan Uh huh. and you know, I, I will cover that in recovery in the news. But, okay. uh, it's interesting nonetheless, but Hey Nat, Hi. what do you, what do you call Santa when he's taking a break? Mm, what do you call Santa Pause. Mm. It could be a cat uh, joke too. Why don't? What do you call a snowman with a <laughs> with a six pack? What an abdominal snowman. Oh. Abdominal oh, snowman.
1: Boy.
0: boy. Um, what do you call a cat on the beach at Christmas time? What sandy claws. Oh.
2: <laughs>
0: I
1: like that one. Oh God. You're giving me gout.
0: I'm sorry. And finally, what is a sheep's favorite Christmas song? What? Fleece Navidad. Oh,
1: fleece Navidad. (laughs) Hey. That is all of that. Thank you, Dad GPT. I I
0: enjoyed sharing these jokes for some festive cheer. Yes. (laughs) Is that what it
1: tells you to say at the (laughs) end? That's what it tells me to say at (laughs) the end. It even gives you the closer. It's like...
0: I do. I do what my robot masters tell me to do. That's good. That's good. So uh, it's Christmas time. Yes, it is. And uh, one of the Christmas traditions is picking your kids up at college and driving them home. How's that going? So I did that this past weekend. I went up on Saturday. I drove up. It was a 10-hour day of driving. My God. Yeah. Up to Oneonta. Stony Stony Stoneyonta. He had all his shit in plastic garbage bags. (laughs) He was moving to a homeless shelter. I did that shit too in college. Threw him in the car. We get in the car. We start driving back, and he is clearly not in the best of health. Oh, really? From the night before, I see. Uh, there was a, I guess, a large frat party, and he. Uh, so he's making friends. Oh, he has plenty okay. of friends. He has too many friends. Ah. Um, with this kid, it's like feast or famine. Um, yeah, no, it's like. That. So we're driving. We're driving. And he's like, pull over. Oh no! Yep. So I pull over. Opens the car like in this cute little upstate
1: town. You know,
0: yep, her hurls all that. over the sidewalk.
1: <laughs> Anyone driving up to upstate to college has done that at least twice. Uh, his
0: mother and I were just like, okay, and we I gave him a garbage bag, and and we repeated this a couple of times. Although he only threw up the one time, um, and you know, what do you, what, what am I supposed to tell this kid, right? I mean, I cannot, I cannot compress the forty years of my drinking. Into, like, one lecture that's going to make him
1: change his behavior in any way. Yeah, no fire hose, you got to do a trickle. That's how I Uh, That's how I It's like I go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Exactly. So we should be experts at trickling and not getting it all out. (laughs) But the thing is, like, I can't tell a
0: a 19-year-old that if he quits drinking at his college, he's going to have anything approaching a social life or anything like, you know, because it's not, number one, that school in particular is just drinking yeah. all the time and kids my wife is a member of all these facebook parent groups about you know to the parents get on and exchange information and horror tales and all this stuff yeah. oh no and uh the kids the parents whose kids didn't party ha- have no social life up there they're just sitting in their room doing nothing it's the you know, only way to you know? do it so but i'm worried that this kid's turning into an alcoholic i'm like how many and i and i Realize by using that term, I'm already pigeonholing him in some way. But um, I'm like, well, how many nights a week do you go out? And he's like three or four. So I'm guessing probably five, closer to five. Yeah, like how much maybe. did you
1: drink? Uh, officer right? says, how much did you drink? Two. I had officer, two. Only I only had two. a couple. Just, yeah.
0: just a couple. Uh, you know what? If you only have a couple, when you know better, you do better. You do
1: better. So just into that one.
0: Sometimes doing better <laughs> depends on what tools are available to you. Uh, So Soberlink, right? Soberlink yes. can help. You guys know where this is going right now, right? Let's hope. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring system specifically designed to help you in your recovery. It's not just some breathalyzer you buy in the basement of Utopia in Hicksville that also has giant weenies for sale. Big whizzenators. And for other reasons, you uh-huh. can buy a giant wiener down there.
1: I always wanted
0: one. <laughs> they sell breathalyzers yep. and... Gildos, yes, they do. Basically. Oh,
1: you mean for the fun yes, side of yes. wizenators, right? Well, I didn't they're know not you so could f- get
0: wizenators in different sizes.
1: Well, you can. It's to make it look more realistic. There's different shades of skin tone, but they're well, always. Well, that makes sense. The but- only thing is, they're always flaccid, ladies. So stay away from the wizenators. <laughs> <and from looking laughs> what would you expect they would do with <laughs> it anyway? <laughs> it's just a rubber penis. There's a million things it could be used for. <laughs> well, it's true, but usually they. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't
0: want to have this discussion. Small enough, to, <laughs> small enough to fit in your pocket. Not the dildo. And discreet, discreet enough to use in public. Not the dildo, or, or in front of your kids.
1: Definitely not the dildo.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> Silverlink devices combine facials. I mean, facial recognition. <laughs>
1: t- oh, you're terrible!
0: Tamper detection. And, and real time results, real time, just like the. It feels like a real time result. A real good time. So family and friends know <laughs> instantly <laughs> that you're sober and working towards your recovery goals. Mm-hmm. This thing would have been a, this <laughs> thing would have been a game changer for Nat and I during early recovery. Holy shit! Would this have changed my life, guys? Uh, we can't think of a better tool. <laughs> for tracking and sharing progress and rebuilding uh, trust and relationships. Or just keeping you
1: warm at night. Nothing like
0: <laughs> Rebuilding trust and relationships with a giant Soberlink
1: device. So, so, is it a strap-on Soberlink device or <laughs> in hell? <laughs> God, this is uh, bad. You can make 23 a mem- 2023
0: <laughs> a memorable one. Well, mm-hmm. if you can't remember it by now, you're not going to start. Nope. Uh, next year will be memorable. Soberlink.com slash middle hyphen <laughs> age. <laughs> and I will not
1: middle in anyone's ages
0: to sign up and receive fifty dollars off your device.
1: I'd like to thank Soberlink well, You may
0: as well just not send them the data. Listen,
1: I just want to take this moment to wish everyone at Soberlink a happy. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, it <laughs> I hope you're using your devices in the manner Let's they were intended. Use them responsibly. Yeah, they are not. I don't even know what you know, that for was. that. What was that? We are tired. We're tired. Hmm. So, uh, Soberlink, yeah, Soberlink. So,
0: you so switching gears from <laughs> rubber penises to the three kings,
1: yes, let's what you guys did your thing this past weekend. We did our thing. Uh, if you want to know what the thing yeah, is, tell us <laughs> it's a healthy
0: religious thing, yes, it yes. is.
1: And, um, so I do a Christmas pageant at my church. As some of the listeners who have been with us a bit I hear about it every year, and um, I'm actually in. The pageant, because there's not enough kids in my church. It's an old, dying church. Um, (laughs) That's a good way to put it. I I don't know how (laughs) to put it. You know what, though? It seems to be on the rise. We've got some new kids in my classes here, so it was a lot of fun. But the thing that was really amazing for me is because there wasn't enough kids to to be in the pageant, last year and this year, um, my father, me, and Max were the three wise men, or the three kings. So what that means is... When it comes to that scene, we're all decked out like kings. And each one of us has a solo, which is a verse uh, from the song. This is, is this not how it that goes. <laughs> you- this is how I picture it. It was not this interesting. <laughs> so I got, uh, it was very emotional. Thank you very much. And my son Noah was doing the narrating on stage. And I had a moment where I'm standing behind Max. And he begins to walk up the aisle with his gift, you know, for Jesus, a plastic baby. Oh, where did he get him? Uh, he had gold. Okay. I had frankincense. Okay. Father brought the myrrh. Father? Yeah. Your father. My father. Myrrh is a bitter herb. It is. So myrrh is mine. Yeah, that was his. He gave it to your, you had your dad give the bitter herb to He Jesus. got the Myrrh okay. is mine. It's bitter perfume. That's okay. the beginning of his You wine. had frankincense, though. I had frankincense. So, Max is going up first, and he belts it. I can't believe the confidence on this kid. Like, I would have been horrified. In fact, when I was his age and I did it, I was horrified. Mm. And I cracked the high note. He did not. Okay. It's on video somewhere. My brother never let me live it down. True story. Yeah. So, Max is doing his solo. He's belting it. No microphone. The whole church. And nails it. Walks up. Puts the present in front of the plastic baby Jesus. Goes to his station. And then it's my turn. And I start to choke up. What do you mean? Like... I'm watching Max walking up. The whole church is all Christmased out. He's singing a verse, oh, you know. To the it you moved know, you to tears. And I looked up. I saw my my other son on the stage reading. You know, he set it up. He he was the cue for Max. And my dad is behind me. He's about to sing his verse. And I got flumped.
0: God, you have such a normal family.
1: I don't know if that's normal, <laughs> man. That seems highly ridiculous. No, like, it's, at what it's point beautiful. is there three generations, You know. And uh, it was just a really beautiful moment And it made me really be grateful For all of the bullshit I put myself through And I put everyone else through And it was for a greater purpose And I knew it the whole time I knew eventually it would be less painful To just wake up every day And that's really what it is You know, when I sound like I'm toxically positive I'm just super stoked That um, my life isn't in shambles It's like... You know, um, you would have been smoking that frankincense uh, in the back of the church a few years ago. And, you know, so it's just amazing. So when I sound like, oh, my life is fantastic, it just means I'm not like chasing the dope man every morning, you know, making my family want to kill me. And uh, well,
0: you've come a long way, baby.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm excited about. You had a good year when you think about it. It was an improvement. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I try and stay, you know, keep things into perspective and be like, you know, this is just regular life. It's, you know, you don't have to like. You know, go too crazy celebrating yourself for just living a normal life without doing drugs. But I know that's how it feels.
0: Well, I mean, that's meaningful to, to folks like you and me, you know, who can appreciate that. You know? Just to have, be able Most to Most people be are there. like, great, you didn't do drugs today. Right, right. Congratulations. It's like... you a, fucking win, you know? Yeah,
1: addicts won a, a prize for running out of a burning house. Yeah. Know? It's like, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's how It, it is feels.
0: meaningful because we, we remember what it was like to be like jerked around you know and and constantly you know feeling like you had to go out sneak around and do something that you shouldn't just
1: the look your family gives you or that my family give me when they would know Mm -hmm. they could see it in your eyes you're trying to and and it's just not the same and it took me so long years and years of sobriety just to get this feeling back that things were kind of like they're not looking at me like the asshole Mm -hmm. addict ruining everyone's lives anymore and it's real. It's not them trying to be nice for a couple of years while they're like, when's he going to fuck up again? Right. You know, it's like, it's finally feels like it's real. And people say, how long does it take to get your family and your friends and your business and work to go back to quote unquote normal? It takes a long time. I mean, it's different for everyone, but for me, it was about four or five years before things with my close relationships that were really damaged, starting to feel hey, this is kind of, maybe we made it out, you know? Yeah,
0: and it, it's really interesting to to listen to people who are still sort of struggling and still kind of thinking that, you know, maybe they can do some something like moderation or, yeah. you know, or just drink a little over the holidays and stuff. And I, and I look at that and I think to myself, you're creating such a world of trouble for yourself. It's not worth it. Really what you need to do is just take it out of the equation. Yeah. Make it an insignificant tiny little part of your life it's not worth making accommodations for exactly i mean it's it's a thing it's like a chemical that you put into your body and you know yeah it's all wrapped up in your psyche but that fucking alcohol is like it changes something in your mind it changes something in your thoughts it 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 gives itself a predominant space in the front of your mind where that's possession like people who and i read these things on reddit where people are just like they're twisting and contorting some way that they can keep drinking yeah and, and i, I and did be this better and i did too for did years and years and and it i hate to use the phrase demonic but dave yeah. brought this up in the interview with that guy from long island it's like a possession He's it's like dead. being fucking possessed and yep. that guy was like and, and this is he was into crack and i've been where that guy mm. was and let me tell you 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 the idea that after being up for a few days, people's faces morph into demons, mm-hmm. totally believable. Yeah. I, I don't question that for a second. I don't know if I believe that they're actual demons, but it's definitely your mind. Like, yeah. And like you can get into that headspace, and then yeah, it is demonic. And what alcohol does to people is demonic. It yeah. changes them. It completely changes the way that they think and, and order their priorities and... You know, even the way you plan your life out, when you, you plan it around alcohol, I look at this four years removed, and I'm like, I'm
1: ast- astonished. He's astonished that his I'm ast- mic I'm a, was i astonished that you yanked my cord. How was that thing? <laughs> <laughs> I was so
0: close to Christmas. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. That was a diatribe. But it like, I've been reading a lot of people who are, you know, struggling, and I try and answer on these Reddit forums yeah. and say like, you know... The, the, the sure way to get this thing, this monkey off your back, is to
1: fucking kill, it. kill the monkey, fucking strangle that yeah. monkey on your back, drown destroy it in it. the
0: fucking bathtub, just
1: like that part X. Um, when we were watching the movie with the guy and the thing, huh? Uh, <laughs> with part X, that um therapist who had the show on Netflix. Oh, you talk about that that outside of yourself that stuts Yeah, <laughs> thank you, stuts. Thank the yeah. guy with the thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I think about it. It's it's like an, a separate entity, this inner addict. And it sounds schizophrenic and it could sound crazy, but it works for me. Well, it's a part of your shadow self, yeah. really, you know? That you just can't trust.
0: And that's the thing. And until you face it, until you you hug it mm. and
1: then kill it slowly, like while you're hugging it. Just like Luke Skywalker, <laughs> he's in the cave and he's looking at the mask of Darth Vader when he's hallucinating yes. during you know on Dagobah. And then... He breaks the, you know, the the Darth Vader mask breaks. And whose face is he looking at across from himself? His own. Yes. He sees, and that's the dark self that he then conquers. Yeah. Just like we have to in our hero's
0: journey. That's right. So, Christmas time, the temptations of the holidays. I mean, given that background, given that experience you had in the church, given my experience in life presently, like, is there anything that could drag you back to that? That dark place.
1: I'm. I'm not naive enough to think that there is. That that's. I would never say that because I'm not that naive. Because I've said that before. Now, I. F- I am recovered, and I am not going to relapse. I'm not going that way. I'd like to think I've trained myself and my behaviors to the point where that's impossible. But as they say, you're only twelve ounces away, or twelve inches away. <laughs> From taking another drink. So I I stay mindful. (laughs) 12 inches for you, maybe. Or or 10, you know. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I have to feel like there's always a danger for me lurking around the corner. Mm. Um, And I just have to keep vigilant. But I don't see myself doing that. I just, it's not in me anymore.
0: Yeah. It just isn't. I don't feel a temptation. I don't feel a compulsion. I'm in social situations and I feel revulsion at the idea of drinking. It feels um, like it's, and never you can get there. Back. That's the thing. People who are struggling like think that you'll never get there, but you can yeah. absolutely fucking get there. But what it requires is that first
1: bunch of months, yeah. weeks, and months where it's gonna fucking suck. But you have to push through it. Yeah, you have it's to push not, through that period. It's not going to be instant uh, joy because depending on how long you were you were running, you know, once you do finally get yourself stabilized somewhat after a month or two, it's then time to clean up the mess and that. People and relationships take time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Plus, your dopamine yeah. system's all fucked up. You're going to be yeah. depressed. You're going to be anxious. Just plan to do like a, you know, plan to recharge, take some time, and just focus on getting yourself better.
0: I recommend filling the void of emptiness with food.
1: Yeah, food's great. It <laughs> put down the needle and picked up the fork. Or no, it's I like put down the spoon, that's right. what they say, because right. we'd cook uh, heroin on and picked up a fork. <laughs> that's a thing where in recovery, sometimes people... When they uh, stop doing something, they get uh, bigger. I like that. Pick up the fork. Yeah, I put down the bottle and picked up the fork. You can use it for...
0: I did. I was shoving candy in my face for the first three months like crazy. That
1: was the thing in rehab or anytime I was in one of these facilities, they would always have a bowl of candy Mm -hmm. uh, for our group meetings, which I've later learned some uh, rehabs consider sugar, uh, sugar to be a drug. And so they don't give out sugar. You no, know,
0: they need to fuck right the
1: fuck off. Isn't that fucked up? I'm yeah. like, the one thing I look forward to a group is getting some of that, those strawberry hard candies with the strawberry goo in the middle. I mean, for fuck's sake. That got me taken Taking through. away the candy, the
0: cigarettes, the coffee. No like, coffee yeah. sometimes. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, what are you trying to do to people? Disgusting. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm appalled. So uh, <laughs> this is going to be our last show of the year. And um yeah so that brings us around to the concept of new year's resolutions. Yes. And setting an intention for 2024. Yes. It's have very you woo-woo. have you thought about setting an intention for 2024?
1: Yeah, um I set I've set some intentions. Um did you? I'd like to sort hear of, yours. I want to hear yours. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, it's not clear yet, but I'm going to
0: My my mine are also a bit inchoate, but I will tell you that the one thing that I want to do is I want to bring more love mm. to every situation that I'm in. That's and hard. Yeah, it is hard. And it's, it's easy to say that, but it's really hard to do it. Yeah. You know, to love, to bring love into every situation. Now I have a, a bunch of mediation scheduled. <laughs> you get to bring love to those mediations. <laughs> I have to bring money, but, yeah. um, you know, I think love and respect and acknowledging, Meeting people where they are, which is also a good negotiation tactic, coincidentally, mm-hmm. um, is kind of wh- what I want to do in 2024. Right, lead with and that's, love. Lead with love. Yeah, exactly. And that is something else that Dave said the other day on Dopey. Listen that, to a lot of Dopey lately. Not a lot, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know he's had a, a series of uh, interesting guests on lately. Yeah. So um, I always like to listen to hear the guys that he finds from the scrape in the bottom of his AA barrel mm-hmm. out there. I love that. And yeah. uh, he guys finds are these funny. guys and they're like, I don't know. I listened <laughs> and it horrifies me because I'm from Long Island and I was active in
1: the eighties when this guy was, but we apparently traveled in very different circles. Yeah. You know, uh, these are like the union guys. I went to rehab with the, with this the whole, that whole area yeah. out East. Yeah. It's like a very blue collar. They're, they're in the trades. A lot of the guys, because they have an infrastructure that could send them to rehab. Mm-hmm. So like, a lot of jobs don't have this right? but like all of those guys if they you know test dirty they all have to go to these things so I got to know a lot of them
0: but those are the guys that would always
1: show up at the parties and cause trouble and get into
0: fights Fights. and they have to throw them out all they wanted to do was fight Yeah, you know I was that was never
1: much they're just fighting themselves right don't they know that Um,
0: but what about you have you set any intentions for the new year I mean that's like my overarching one and then I have like you know the typical I want to lose 10 pounds I want to be you know change my physical workout a little bit and stuff like that, you know, but that's like stuff around the edges.
1: Yeah. Like I, I think I always try and set some health goals for myself for the new year. Um, a lot. And I don't talk about work much on the show because it's a fucking bore and it stresses me out, but a lot of my goals for 2024 involve my company and where we're headed. So I'm like laser focused on where I want to take this thing. And, um, for my personal stuff, I really, Uh, believe it or not, one of my biggest concerns is my Sunday school class. And Mm. it sounds funny, but I got this influx of more kids that are just new to the church, and I am sadly underprepared for them. Some of them aren't as, they don't know a lot about you know, the Bible and the stories, you know, the other kids, they've been in my class for like three years. So they've heard it all. So I'm like, you know, I really want to make sure I I do right by them. They're coming out. I want to give them a good uh, Sunday school class. And that's kind of important to me. And also I'd like to quit vaping. Okay. I do. It's a good one. I want to cut down on coffee and I want to make more time for my wife and I. Oh, wow, that's, that's nice. My number one is I want to spend more time with my wife yes. and start to, because that's one of the last things that I, we just haven't been able to, with all the busyness after I got sober, it's we haven't really gotten a chance to get to know each other again. And that, you know, with all the craziness, it's been good, but I'm like, I really want to take more time, like do dates. I don't know. It's
0: tough, right? To yeah. carve out that time. My wife and I went on a date a couple of weeks ago to the city. I was talking about that last week. Yeah, It was like the first time we've, it's you weird, know, and, right? and I really enjoyed it, and I and I love spending time with uh, with her, and it's just so. I mean, I I look uh, ten years in the future, and I see, you know, um, when the kids are out of the house, mm. well, hopefully empty uh, nest, you know, and then we're too. gonna, you know, we'll have a lot more time, but you never know how much time you have, yeah. like like yeah, okay, this is gonna sound ridiculous, but <laughs> my arm was twitching yesterday, right? <gasps> so I immediately Google. Uh, what well, wasn't a seizure, and muscle, but, yeah. and ALS comes up, right? And I'm like, fuck, I have ALS. So I spent the rest of the day. Con- this is my my disturbed mind. This is how I, my hypochondriac mind works. And I'm like, well, shit. At the most, I have like five years left. And how am I going to spend that time? And you know, it's an interesting intellectual exercise when mm-hmm. you have convinced yourself that you're about to, you know,
1: like have a terrible purple, disease permanently. Yeah.
0: Um, but I'm like, you know, what would I want to do with that time? And then I'm thinking to myself, well, why wouldn't? Why don't I just do that anyway? Why, right. why not sp- take that time, spend it with your travel more, do yeah. this, all this stuff that you want to do because you don't know how much time you have. You can yeah. be hit by a bus. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Make the most of every make, moment, make the most of every moment. And you know, cause you know, my first wife, you know, she didn't expect like right. well, one day she would just be dead. You know yeah. and I'm sure she, you know, she had a long list of stuff that she wanted to do mm-hmm. in life, you know, and, and you just never know. And you think you, you have
1: this time, but no time is guaranteed to you. Yeah. You know? And I think about that with my parents, if we have aging parents or, you know, some of us have parents, parents that have passed, and uh, I think about it a lot. My parents are in their 80s, and just, like, they make you so mad. Right. I think many of you or all of you can relate to this. You know, once you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, if your parents are still around, it's sometimes strained because the relationship gets weird. Yeah. They get, um, like, my mother is progressively having more trouble remembering things, and they can't do the same thing, so it's, it's like, frustrating, but you want to love them and be there <clears throat> and... Um, You know, all I can do is just be as loving in the moment as possible. And it's not always possible for me to do that. I have to accept that. Like sometimes I can't pick up the phone because I just can't bear to speak to one of my parents for whatever frustration or just acting like a 13 year old. And I have to allow myself. Well, but that's too. you know,
0: you know, you you got to. You know, there's a time in life where you, you know, yeah, you
1: move on from your parents, and you, but your parents always see you as a kid, so it's it, right. So they're like, ah, he's just <clears throat> being Nathaniel again, right? But so it's like making the most of the time and and happy holidays and this holiday season. I get to be around most of my family, my brother and his kids. And um, um, what are you going to do? Do you have everyone here? Uh, I have everyone here on Christmas Eve, which I guess is coming. Soon, it's coming.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I know. I, gotta I was way more prepared for Thanksgiving than I am. Oh, I got to order some food today from that uh, Italian place.
1: I think mm. which uh, the
0: one in Woodbury. What's it called?
1: I don't remember. Oh, Ivoroni. Iveroni. Oh, I love that place. Yeah, it's good. The seafood barge is everything.
0: So the thing is, like, we don't do. We're not Italian, so we don't do fish Christmas Eve. Day,
1: well, I have an Italian uh, cousin-in-law that does the fishes. See, it's yeah.
0: But you can also get like their Christmas Day package. The problem is it has a the kind of chicken on it that nobody likes, so i don't, I don't know. I gotta call them later today. That's on my list of things to do. Also, how much do you tip the your garbage men
1: um I don't know. my wife does that, but if it's the same as the mailman because at my office okay yeah what, my the secretary at my office, like just yesterday, because I don't think of this stuff. She hands me a, uh, a Christmas card. I go, oh, and what's this, Beverly, you know? She goes, did you bring any cash? And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, you have to give something to Phil. And I'm looking at her like, who the Who's fuck Phil? is Phil? <laughs> and I'm looking at her, I go, Bev, who are you talking about? She's like, the mailman. You were going to tip him. Weren't you going to tip I said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I said, How? And I said, I don't know. I don't usually do it. And she recommended $20, so. Hmm. I, I know, tipped my mailman 50 bucks last year. Well, she's 85, so she's thinking depression era. <laughs> you know? She's like three pence and a hay penny. Yeah. <laughs> Shiny apple and a cup yeah. of sugar. Uh, yeah, maybe 50 bucks I think is good. Cause, and I found out last
0: year that the garbage guys are not the, the same crew that does the uh, recycling.
1: Oh, yeah. So you got to tip your recycling crew, too. I don't know. I was never... You know, Christine always does that stuff. The all teachers right. and the camp guys and fuck. Mm. Ask ChatGPT; it knows everything. Yeah, what does yeah, yeah. ChatGPT tip its uh, garbage man?
0: That's a good question. Mm. But you got to account for cost of living differences and everything. It's uh, It's almost like they're one of your children. The garbage man tipping the garbage man. I am investing in them throwing away <laughs> so the it's fucking
1: a, crap that I put out. It's an investment. All year. How yeah. do you even leave it out? You tape it to the garbage can. What if they throw it out? I am up because I run yeah, early, I would see them. so I run out there. <laughs> and uh, give them the huh. money. You heard yeah. it here first, folks. Mike tips the garbage man.
0: All right. What else? Uh, that, uh,
1: how's your mental health this season? Oh, it's a lovely. We kind of covered that.
0: In a All right. So let's get on to some voicemails.
1: Voicemails. Shall we do that? Yeah. Well, this was something we put out there to the Monksterverse, which you can get on Facebook. Uh, just go to Recovery in the Middle Ages. We have a private group. Or Patreon.com slash Recovery in the Middle Ages. So... Some of these, we put this out in the interwebs, in our phone number, and they called in to wish everyone a happy holidays.
0: What did they have up to? Let's take a peek. The segment we call Monster Speaks. Speaks, speaks, speaks,
1: speaks. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Let's
0: see if this works. Hey, guys. Nope. <laughs> yeah, this is a Google Voice issue. Somehow, reason it doesn't connect. Okay, let's try it now. I'm not going to announce who
1: it is. Okay, it's
3: so a surprise. Yeah. It's Liz B in Boston. Just wanted to say happy holidays to all monsters, and uh, hope it's not too late. I put a post in the Discord, but uh, I know you guys start recording very early, so happy holidays, happy New Year, and um, a toast to another year without alcohol for all of us. Thanks. You guys are the best. Bye.
1: Queen Liz of Monkster. Thanks, Munster, and Happy holidays to you. We love you, and you've been such a, an amazing part of this thing, and thank you so much for sticking with us, and um, have a great, great holiday. We'll check in on the Discord. Yes, and
0: good luck with all the stuff yep. that you're dealing with and, we're and praying stuff for you. that's coming up and your dog and the turtle and your husband stuff. God bless. We are praying.
2: All right. Let's see. On to the next Monkster. Hello men, it is American Dave in London, and I just wanted to wish all of you, both of you, your families, and each and every one of us going through this day by day, a fantastic holiday season, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all stuff in between, and a fantastic new year, whether we are 24 hours, 7 years, 35 years, or, or just thinking about it, we are all in this together, guys. Um, and as much as it's hard for me to do, just try to reach out, try to tell somebody what you're going through. And I promise you will feel better and be able to be pointed in the right direction. Um, once again, guys, thank you for letting me get to bed. Thank you for letting me rewind the podcast the next day. Thank you for your advice and insight to things I would not have thought about. Um, and I'm genuinely grateful that you guys are around. Um, Even though I am 3,000 miles away from home Mm. I've been here since 1998 Anyway, enough about me Thank you guys Happy, happy new year And I look forward to speaking to you in 2024 Be well, thanks
1: Hey, thanks American Dave in London American Dave in London I
0: love it It's like a movie
1: I love it, yeah Thanks so much for listening And uh, hopefully we can bring a little bit of America to you Maybe we should have a monkster meetup in London I would love that Just in time Four. I don't know what's happening in London that we should go to. I don't know. Everything. There's a, oh, the a Dr. Who museum. That's what there we're going go. for. No yeah. one wants to go to. Yeah. Thank you, it's American Dave. We love you. Okay. Here
0: comes another one. Here comes another one. Here's a little poem that I wrote. Half of it's mine, half of it's this is Charlie.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like another game got cut off. <sighs> and can Google
2: just fix their shit? GPT to be disclosure. Here it goes. On Tuesdays, their episodes bring up the light. Matt and Mike's wit and banter, a shining light. But if they're late or miss a week's sweet sound, withdrawals we feel for their dad jokes we found. Merry tinings, one and all. Gentiles, heathens, and Jews, beware, though, our aim may offend, get canceled, and make the news.
1: Uh, greetings. Uh, thanks, Charlie. <laughs> I just have one bone to pick with ChatGPT. Why do the Jews come after the heathens? What is that? <laughs> is that a subtle yeah, what? What? Is that? what are you trying to say? Thank you so much, Charlie. Uh, you've been such a blessing to the podcast. It's been so great to get to know you. And your podcast is really good. I was listening to it. You posted a link, and I, I got a chance to listen to Charlie's um, podcast. It was great. What's it called again? Kratom Talk. Right, Kratom Talk. Think, is it Kratom Talk or I Kratom so. Support? Yeah, it, guys, go go listen to that, whether you're into Kratom or not. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was Charlie for a minute. He posted a link, and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I clicked it, and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, wait a second. This is Charlie. Yeah. So a really, really uh, pro sound. It sounds good, man. and You sound good on there. Awesome, awesome. And moving on to our
0: next caller
3: hey monster universe this is melissa aka den mom (laughs) i've just learned to embrace the the term den mom um so I just wanted to check in with you guys. I have got a big date coming up, not trying to count my chickens before they hatch, but December the 28th, I will have one year. Um, and I've been trying a real long time to get that one year. So I'm I'm pretty proud and I'm trying not to get there before my time. And even once that one year passes, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing And for me, a big difference this year is being intertwined with this group of people, whether it be on Facebook, listening to the show, and especially the Discord. If you guys haven't checked out Discord yet or the Patreon, I encourage you to. I have formed so many deep relationships, and those people that are part of that, I just feel like they know who I am, and I know who they are. Um, We help each other when we're in need. We reach out from anything, from you know, are suffering from our addictions to just everyday drama life going on and, and we just lean on each other. So listen, if you guys are struggling this holiday season, I know Christmas can be tough. New Year's is tough. That was always, always my downfall. Reach out. We're here. Um, again, the Google, I'm sorry, the, the Discord or the Facebook group. Just reach out. We'll respond to you. I promise. I hope you all have a merry Christmas and a happy new year.
1: No, oh, thank you so much, Melissa, the the den mother of the inner sanctum and the monkster verse. And uh, Melissa uh, posted a, I guess it's a meme or a nice saying on the uh, Facebook group. I wanted to read, and she said, "Sometimes I, oh, I can't. I need my glasses. Wait." You want me to read it? Uh, No. Over the next few weeks, you're going to see a lot of people posting their big highlights of the year. It's okay if your biggest accomplishment of the year was surviving. That's big. Thank you so much, Melissa. Words of wisdom, words to live by. And uh, we love you.
0: Yes, we do. I'm sorry. I'm losing hearing in my left ear. I don't know if that's me or the the head. (laughs) Mm. Yes, Melissa, thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what we got from the monsters. Yes,
1: thanks for calling in. What? That was monster speak. That's another goal of the new year. I want to bring back all of our segments. I want to <laughs> I want to and we are going to, mark my words, I have to get some other things in place to free up a little time, but I am looking forward to it. We got a lot yet to do with RMA. Yes.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, we reached the part of the show where we're going to do the show. Yes. The other part <laughs> of the show. Are we starting the show now? The, the other part. Um,
1: so what should we talk about first? Should we talk about Dr. Ellis? Let's talk about Dr. Ellis. Um, this is what, something I've been very interested in. And full disclosure, I don't really have any background knowledge about Dr. Ellis. However, we've been talking about cognitive behavioral therapy a lot I even use it and I wonder if I'm even using it correctly. So when I say that I used CBT to help me, that means to me, like anytime I would think I wanted to drink, I would do something else instead and Mm, training my behaviors. Like you consciously change your behavior while it's still impulsive Mm -hmm. enough times that your body begins to change its like muscle memory and and your brain waves and the, the brain pathways change. So that's to me is what CBT is. But I don't actually know because I have not studied Dr. Ellis or his work, but I'm very interested to hear it. CBT was, um, sort of grew out of the rational emotive behavior
0: therapy that Ellis came up with, uh, in the fifties. And it was a pioneering form of psychotherapy. At the time, everybody was like a Freudian mm. or,
1: uh, you know, tell or, me about your mother. Right.
0: It was all about sex and all those things.
1: But, this cigar but, here is a <laughs> <laughs> He's not French. Sometimes a, su- a Sometimes a wizard is just a wizard. Sometimes
0: um, a wizard is just a wizard. Anyway, so, so it was a huge change from the psychotherapy that was going on at the time because Ellis developed RE, REBT and that focused on helping patients change their irrational beliefs. Which led to their emotional and their behavioral issues, uh, and it's it's a precursor to the to CBT. But Ellis himself was an interesting guy. He was born in Pittsburgh in 1913, mm. and he lived to 2007. So he was he's been he around, was around. Resident, yeah. yeah. Um, but he was raised in New York City, and he had a very difficult relationship with his parents growing up, uh, particularly his mother, who was distant and unaffectionate. Mm. Freud would have a uh, field day with that one, right? And maybe maybe he did. Maybe he. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe he didn't think that that was so important to Ooh. his later behavior. I don't know. His his early experiences clearly influenced his later psychological theories, but he had a lot of health problems when he was a kid. Uh, he had kidney problems. He was in the hospital a lot. And he attributes this period of isolation and suffering uh, to be very significant to shaping his perspectives on adversity and resilience, which is sort of also a cornerstone of cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, the idea that you... Have the power to change your own outcomes and your own behavior, your, which your sort of, will. Yes, would you it say? sort of stands in opposition to some of the
1: stuff in the twelve-step groups,
0: which is you're turning your will over to because they something would say else.
1: How did that work out for you? Your best efforts, your will. Yes, you turn your will over, but this is it kind says well, it says maybe you weren't accessing your best part of yourself right. to begin
0: with. Anyway, so he uh, formed the Albert Ellis Institute in New York City, and I, I mentioned this before. It was very. It was almost entertainment for this, for sort of the upper, uh, upper East Side intellectual class in New York City to go to Ellis's Institute and sit there and watch somebody be, um, I don't know what you call therapized or whatever. Weird. They would sit in the circle and Ellis would take them through this dialogue and try and get them trying to tease out. But I mean, this was also like the part of the, the seventies and eighties where like, what was that type of like Gestalt therapy and everything where you'd you know you'd have to get up there and spew out your most innermost secrets in front of a room full of people and um You mean AA is where you do that. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. I mean so Ellis was uh, very direct, very contra- uh, confrontational his style um was quite different from the more gentle approaches of <laughs> traditional psychotherapy where you, you know the guy would sit on a couch with a notebook and how be does like, that make you feel? Yeah, exactly. Like and even today like that sort of traditional psychotherapy i was talking to somebody who's going through sort of a more traditional psychotherapeutic um interaction with a with a therapist recently oh, and cool. it was driving him crazy that the he would be pouring out his soul about all of these things and the only response would be like oh that's interesting that must be very challenging for you and how how do you how did you deal with that yeah. you know and he's like fuck this shit. Like I'm, I'm not here. So somebody can like, you know, so maybe there is a, a place for that kind of therapy. I don't know. Um, but because Ellis himself faced and overcame these, all these personal and professional challenges, um, and controversies in the psychological community, he was extremely like, uh, attached to his brand of therapy. And it sort of, um, CBT kind of came out of that idea of a man, being an island, of uh, so to speak, you know? Mm. Um, and he, he also had these crazy outspoken views about sexuality, which were very much against the social norms at the time. He, Why did these
1: guys always do something weird about sexuality that makes <laughs> no one take them seriously? Well, because, you know, I
0: guess when you come up studying the prevailing psychoanalytical theories of the time, which were all like Freud and, Yeah, you and know, Freud
1: was all weirdo sexy with his like, you want to have sex with your mother and everything. But Ellis thought,
0: um, Ellis didn't think that homosexuality was a disorder he was advocating taking that moniker away from from that in the psychological world long before it became fashionable mm. later on he was thinking um, ahead yeah he wasn't he, he thought it was perfectly acceptable for for people to be uh um what's the word uh free, you know, yeah, sexually free, right? And exactly, not uninhibited. Yeah, yeah, but there's a word for it. The kids are all saying these days uh, about an open, re- sort of open relationships, like non-monogamous.
1: Oh, or, um, uh, plural relationships. Plural? Yeah, you know, like a plural marriage is multiple partners. Okay, yeah. and it's not the word, but yeah, something like that. You, yeah. Anyway, um, it's an orgy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an orgy with budget meetings. That's what a uh, plural marriage. Anyway, Anyway, I mean, his
0: his contributions uh, to REBT obviously left a lasting legacy in the field of mental health. But um, so his REBT and his therapeutic approach um, was applied to substance use disorders even during his lifetime, and um, they continue to be. So REBT... Well, I guess you can use REBT and CBT in, interchangeably. So mm. they, so... They shorten it. Then. By <laughs> focusing on identifying and challenging irrational beliefs, uh, and those beliefs are often at the core of maladaptive behaviors, including substance abuse, by changing those irrational beliefs to more rational ones, individuals could alter their emotional responses and behaviors, including those related to substance abuse.
1: Yeah, and that's such a hard thing to conceptualize. How do you, ch- like, if you feel like you have a, a deeply held view but the actions that you're taking due to that view are creating problems in your life. It's very hard. It was hard for me to just wash my brain and like rethink it and make myself believe what was actually true. Because uh, that's interesting. So this sort of is retraining your yeah. best your best wishes. You're, get, you're getting in there and you're rewiring yeah. your thought patterns. Yeah.
0: And And,
1: you know, that's also
0: because REBT is also involved uh, addressing your underlying picture, underlying emotional and psychological issues, uh, such as low self-esteem, anxiety, or depression, which can also be cured by, um, or addressed, I should say, by reworking the way that your mind thinks
1: about certain external stimuli, right? Yeah. And I do this every day, honestly, that just, just occurred to me just the other day, you know, we had that big, I was saying everything was positive, right? And then the very next hour, all of a sudden, I was feeling the opposite. Things were really? falling apart. And I actually typed out a big text message to you that said something like, I know I said that everything was great, but right now everything's <laughs> fucking horrible. And, and I didn't send it. And I said, I just wanted to get that out. I did not want to dump my negativity on you because all I needed to do was put it out of my head. And so what I tried to do over the past few days where I was feeling hopeless, lost, and very negative uh, for a number of reasons... I heard myself say, "Today's gonna suck," and and this is bad is gonna happen, and it just was like a voice, and I said, "Shut up," and even though I didn't believe it in that moment, I just said, "Everything's gonna be great. We're gonna get through this. It's gonna be good," and I just kept saying it until I believed it. So you, it you were
0: basically affirming that everything was great, yeah. even though things were kind of shitty. Well, and it I, changed the way that you perceived. The yeah. things that were happening to you.
1: Right, because as a Buddhist, nothing is bad nor good. And when I remember mm, that... Some things are bad. I The way I see it... <laughs> Murder, you know. The way I see it, it was like, you know, I'm just viewing it in this way. Maybe in this case, I was viewing it negatively and I was telling myself, you're looking at it all wrong. Like I was trying to yeah. convince. Well, that's CBT, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, I think.
0: But there is morality in Buddhism. I don't want people oh, thinking there anything goes. You know, I don't
1: really understand Buddhism. Let me just <laughs> let me make a statement there. Everything I know about Buddhism, I learned listening to uh, to Mike talk about it. <laughs> True story.
0: Well, you know, you have the Eightfold Path, which is all your rules of daily life. Right. You know. it's a good one. Um, you can also use cognitive behavioral therapy to help uh, develop coping mechanisms for dealing with cravings and avoiding relapses. Mm. Right. This involves obviously understanding your triggers. And learning to respond to those with healthy thoughts and behaviors, unlike what I said earlier about sticking your head in the candy candy ball. Although, arguably, that's a healthier behavior than sticking your hand in the crack, you know, ball.
1: Yeah, you know, instead of going for something else, you reach for a candy.
0: Now, here's something that I like: Um, CBT has a emphasis on self acceptance. Mm. Uh, A key component is unconditional. Self-acceptance, unconditional positive
1: regard as applies to the self. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that one, unconditional positive regard to yourself. To yourself. That's so important. So, I mean, Ellis said
0: that it was important to accept yourself, including your flaws and mistakes, which
1: can be particularly empowering for those struggling with substance abuse. So not a defect of character. You're not asking God... To remove your defects of character, you're accepting those defects and trying to work around or with them or accept them. Right, they're just a part of you. They're not
0: something that can be excised and put on the back. You know, got rid of. You have to acknowledge and accept. Mm. Um, And yeah, I mean, self self acceptance is is essential. It's essential. Because and what did Paul Churchill always used to say? Uh, you know, the guy from Recovery Elevator, he said, I knew I was starting to make progress. And I think I've said this before. When, instead of my little internal voice calling me a fucking asshole, it was just started calling me a knucklehead. Because yeah. you, you, you realize that, you know, your flaws are a part of you and you have to accept them. You know? um, another part is, uh, of CBT is disputing self-defeating thoughts. Ellis's uh, therapy often involves disputing self-defeating thoughts and beliefs that can lead to and perpetuate substance abuse, such as feelings of helplessness or worthlessness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think a lot of when, when I try and when I'm working on my own recovery on a day-to-day basis, I'm fighting the old way I used to think um, where it was always catastrophic. I was always thinking of what would go wrong or basically self-fulfilling prophecies, you know, this yeah. is going to happen. And then that's going to happen. So trying to sort of be your own best coach. If you feel helpless, if you feel worthless, nothing is going to change. You're not mm-hmm.
0: going to be able to pull yourself out of the hole, which again, I think is sort of an opposite to some of the 12 step stuff going on out there. Right. You know, don't, you need to feel Helpless and worthless and turn your helpless, worthless self over to a I mean, God you, you your
1: understanding? You could look at it that way, but could. it's, <laughs> could. it's, I think it's meant to be more like you're giving your will over to God, meaning you're putting your faith that uh, he can heal you. Um, but then it gets twisted into like your, all of that stuff. But yeah. So you
0: have to have faith in a God that can heal you in order to get well. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd never get well.
1: Yeah, you got to use faith. But if you ask God to move a mountain, you better bring a shovel. He's not going to do it for you. Yes.
0: I heard that joke the other day. It's um, my
1: favorite. Because it's true. He's guy, not going to just...
0: The guy who's, who he goes down in a plane crash, and he finds himself on an island in the middle of the sea. <laughs> and uh, he's praying, God, save me, save me, save me. And... Um, you know, and the water is slowly rising, he's surrounded by sharks, and a boat comes comes by on the horizon, and uh he's like, "Save me, save me," and he ignores the boat and then a, a helicopter flies over, and um he's like, "No, God will save me, God will save me and then he dies, and he gets eaten by sharks, and then he goes up to heaven and he goes god i'm i've been your faithful servant why didn't you save me and god's like i sent you a boat and a helicopter what more do you
1: want out of me <laughs> that's it you know <laughs> can't wait for a magic wand oh, yeah. um so what else
0: uh rebt takes a holistic approach to treatment addressing emotional behavioral and cognitive aspects which is crucial in treating complex issues like substance abuse disorders that's not really saying much um yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how much you know. You want to go down the rabbit hole with CBT? We can't do CBT here on the show. No, we but can't I think do it's, it, here. it bears investigating. If you're suffering and you you're looking for some help and you're you're feeling like a twelve step model may not be the way to go, maybe you should check out Smart Recovery, which is was, based on you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and applies a lot of those techniques to uh, to a recovery mindset.
1: Yeah, and um, we did a show on Smart Recovery, and I'd like to do a reprise at some point because it is such an important program. And I remember thinking that when we were finally uh, you know, studying it on the show, I thought to myself, man, I wish I had known what this was about when I first started looking for help because um, it really resonated with me. It was more scientific, uh, and the CBT part of it, I think, is very effective. So, um, you know, Smart Recovery, if you can... It's also really Who's the that? basis
0: for um, for this mid- naked mind and for most yeah. of the work that Annie Grace and, and her progeny has been doing. Um, it, it, certainly, this naked mind got me to look at alcohol in a completely different way. Yeah, her presentation
1: of those techniques yeah. is what does it.
0: But it's, you know, it's, it's a subtle rewiring of your brain so that you no longer see alcohol as something that has any benefit for you. Yeah. It, it's almost all negative. And so why would you as a rational human being continue to yeah to do something like yeah, that yeah it's and then the uh, counter simple. argument to that is if you're so fucked up like you can't your brain is not functioning to the point where you can even yeah access the rational part of your brain anymore because right?
1: there's a point where you shouldn't be trusting your like the first uh, maybe a week or two before i finally went to rehab like my best thinking for real was horrendous and i needed to like get away from the substance be stabilized spend a little time not chasing whatever. So at that point, would you say that uh, like a program like 12 step or AA is helpful
0: in, because it doesn't require any thought well, at all because well, it just requires, you
1: know, a total surrender. Right. And cause I think at that point in most addicts, you know, uh, downward spirals, I think that's what they need at the very bottom. You know, when you're really like the way I was, I was just making bad decision after bad decision, convincing myself it was what I should be doing. And until I got jolted out of that, like almost violently, I had to be shaken out of my stupor. And then I started to be able to make better decisions that weren't solely motivated by like my frontal lobe seeking drugs to, you know, Mm. because my brain had been rewired to... To put getting drugs above eating, drinking, sleeping, and caring for my family, so there has to be a rewire. So isn't AA sort of cognitive behavioral therapy, whether as they well? like it or not?
0: Yeah, I mean because you're basically replacing this faulty set of beliefs that you've been carrying around in your head about drugs and alcohol with a different set of beliefs, yeah. right? And and I say where they diverge is that you know CBT is Gives you your power back and says that you have all the capacity. Right. And AA says you have you need help. You need a spiritual solution. Yeah, right. yeah. And CBT
1: a, says you could have a spiritual solution if you if you want one, right. but you don't need one. So AA could be like a, a CBT in a spiritual package. Yeah, it's like a bait and switch. You think you're getting one thing, and here you are getting CBT and getting sober. At least ten percent of you. I mean, I think different modality recovery modalities
0: you know appeal to different people depending on where you're coming from right you know true but the thing is the thing that get always stuck in my craw was that you never really had a choice like the choice was not presented to you so much it's like here's the 12 step and we'll get into that a little bit when we talk about this new york times article mm, it's baked in yeah 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 Anyway, shall we, uh, enough about me,
1: let's talk about me. (laughs) Shall we transition to narcissism? I was thinking that, but narcissism, you want to do a brief, because there's so much we can do with narcissism. Um, But let's talk about it briefly. Narcissism, you've heard it, folks, everyone these days calls everyone they don't like a narcissist. Well, there (laughs) is... um, But are they? There is narcissistic
0: personality disorder Mm -hmm. and traits of narcissism that are related, but distinct. Right. So if you understand understanding the difference is important, especially when you're trying to call somebody in your life, a narcissist, uh, you should at least know the textbook definition of narcissistic personality disorder. Um, so narcissistic personality disorder is a diagnosable mental health condition. It's defined in the DSM five, the Holy Bible of, of diagnostic, uh, psycho, Psychobabble. people everywhere. Um, You have to meet specific criteria to get the definition, including a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, a constant need for admiration, and a lack of empathy, beginning by early adulthood and present in various contexts throughout your life. Symptoms are severe and consistently exhibited across different situations and over time, and they significantly impair the individual's ability to function in personal, social, or occupational settings. npd requires professional intervention, which may include psychotherapy, and in some cases medication, uh, often considered to be very difficult to treat. Uh, Like once a narcissist, always a narcissist. Um, Now, on the flip side, you can just exhibit traits of narcissism, which um, a sense of entitlement, a need for admiration, a tendency to exploit others, which could also be psychopathy. Right, right. yeah. Exploitation and, and so on. No matter but what. While the traits can be problematic, they do not constitute a mental health disorder by themselves. Many people exhibit narcissistic traits without meeting the criteria for NPD. So there is your explanation right there. You can. You probably have a lot of people in your life who exhibit these traits-
1: Right, but you know. maybe not clinical narcissism. And one interesting thing about narcissism is the root of why it's called narcissism. Uh, the word narcissism comes from, the gr- from Greek mythology. Uh. Ah, narcissus. Um, and, nar- and this is what my father would insist on me telling everyone. Where does the word <laughs> come from? Narcissus, in Greek mythology, was the son of the river god Siphysis and the nymph... <laughs> Lyriope. He was distinguished for his beauty, um, so he loved himself so much. Uh, he rejected the love of this um, of someone in his life, and at some point, let's see. Oh, yeah, here it is. Um, he died. He fell in love with his own reflection. That's right. what it was. The story. Of, a lot of time looking in the mirror. He loved his own reflection, and he fell in love with it. And he like fell into the water. And so that's where that comes from. It's all and there's a narcissist flower. You, yes. Where the, it yes. like so it all comes from this, but it's, what, what, a, it's a self flower. Why did they call flower. it a narcissist Because it's like it heads Does towards it? the water to see its reflection. No shit. Yeah, you didn't know that? I did not know that. Isn't it cool? That's amazing. I love that shit. Etymology. Huh. So <clears throat> thank you. So your, Greek dad's, your dad's right. He's been telling me that my it's, whole life. It's that you, was something a he said. Yeah. <laughs> And then <laughs> defining it for me. You're a narcissist. Do you know what that means? No, daddy. Really? Your father called you a narcissist? No, no he didn't. <laughs> but I probably is, said it. Is your it. father a narcissist? No, he's not a narcissist. That's a real, like you said, someone who's so self-involved. My mother was a narcissist. Yeah, I wouldn't call a narcissist. I would, I I would think she had NPD if I yeah. had to. Maybe a trait here and there, but. Narcissists yeah. can be extremely um, destructive
0: in other people's lives. Yeah. Like real, real ones. Because they, mm. they manipulate you. They have no you know, sense of empathy, you know, for right. Like people. a psychopath. It's all, it's you,
1: you're in their play and that's it. Like yeah. your life doesn't matter. You revolve much. around them and right. they're not seeing things from another person's perspective. And if they do, they don't care. Right. Uh, everything can be a manipulation. Yes. Very difficult to grow up, uh,
0: in a, in a household run by a narcissist. Yeah. Um, So there is a relationship between between narcissism and substance abuse disorder, in case you were wondering. Um, So a lot of people with narcissistic traits or NPD uh, use substances as a way to cope with negative feelings or vulnerabilities because despite the outward appearance of confidence and superiority, most narcissists in their heart believe that they're inadequate, insecure, and empty, Mm. and they use drugs and alcohol to
1: medicate themselves. Maybe I'm a narcissist cuz I hate myself and use drugs to cover it up.
0: Yeah, but you don't but you have you're the, one of the most em- empathetic people I know.
1: Yeah. You're you have empathy for other people. Other people, but when I was at my worst, I thought, you know, I deserved all of this torture that I was giving to myself and everyone else was great and I was terrible. That's
0: like that's like a temporary narcissism,
1: though. I, well, I'd like to think so, that I've grown. I mean, I think... Every, I, when I got recovered, that
0: Isn't every addict, to some degree, a bit of a narcissist while they're using? Because, you know, yeah. they're putting their own, you know, story yeah. ahead of everybody else's story.
1: Like, yeah, and if you remember... Oh, what, you don't remember when I was using, but when... A lot of times when people are in a cycle of using, it's all a manipulation, yeah. how you're going to get your next right. fist. You lie. I would lie about everything. Mm-hmm. Just to get to that next thing that I needed. Yeah. Narcissism. And you hear it all the time. I mean, we
0: could go into this, but we're already at like an hour and eight minutes. So I just kind of wanted to touch on narcissism. This is a
1: tease for a much larger show because this is something that's out there in the ether. People are using that word. I see it all the time when people are saying things about a bad person. This is a narcissist. That's a narcissist. They're clearly not all narcissists, but maybe it's an epidemic right now. Uh, The way people are behaving and speaking And, um, you know, so maybe there's a reason why it's being bandied about so much. Narcissism.
0: I I find it very interesting, and I would like to do a show, I think, on the nexus between adult children of alcoholics and and narcissists, Mm. because a lot of adult alcoholics uh, who have kids who exhibit narcissistic personality traits, um, I think that's an extremely volatile and difficult mix of traits in a parent and how a child grows up in that circumstance, I think is very uh, worthy of Mm. study. So if anybody out there is interested in an episode on adult children of alcoholics and narcissists, let me know.
1: Mike R at middle ages recovery.com. So here's what, here's what we should do. Recovery in the news.
0: Well, we should take like a little break Mm -hmm. so I can, Go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and see uh, a man about a horse. Stop talking for like a few minutes. Yeah, my vo- voice is <laughs> <and, laughs> I'm gonna get a glass of water, and,
1: and we'll be right back after these words. And we're back. 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 And you know what time it is then? Recovery in the News. Yeah! All right. Recovery in the News. Recovery. Christmas edition. in the News. Recovery.
0: Okay, Merry fucking Christmas, everybody. Merry and whatever. Um, motherfucker. What I found interesting about this recovering the news that we're going to talk about mm. from the New York Times this week. I hope there's something interesting. From the Sunday edition <laughs> in the opinion section, December 17, 2023. The old
1: gray lady. And I actually the New have York Times. A the actual physical news- <laughs> paper in front of me. The, ladies and gentlemen, this man has a physical newspaper on his computer yeah is the, the irony right here there's an, an apple it's a macbook with a new york times folded and placed on top of it i'm using the computer to hold the paper open <laughs> that's not a fucking I switch love right middle ages recovery
0: so the new york times did an incredible uh job <laughs> this week sorry when you when you as soon as a camera comes yeah. out, I just
1: pose. Just so you guys know, I'm documenting this for the Patreon uh, sanctum <laughs> to, to uh, you know, poke fun. So the New York Times did a bit of reporting on addiction
0: uh, this year. They've they've done quite a lot of op-eds by Maya Zalovitz and a bunch of other folks. Um, and I think it's all culminated in this massive opinion piece uh, from this past Sunday called Help and Hope for People with Addiction. And um, it's... Two full pages. Um, yeah, it's a big so A giant story, almost a small booklet, if you will, uh, on addiction. And yeah. the Times is basically putting forth its opinion on the state of addiction and treatment for addiction <laughs> in America and how it could be made so much better mm. and where it's falling and where it's doing a good job. Uh, and to not bury the lead, to use a newspaper term, we're not doing a very good job at all. Hmm. Um, yeah. More than 48 millions, million Americans are living with a substance abuse disorder right now, and only about 5% of them are getting any kind of help at all for that condition, Yeah, which is a terrible... Uh,
1: and only like 1% of that ever gets better.
0: Yes. And uh, the Times goes on to say that a growing roster of therapies, medications, behavioral behavioral mm-hmm. therapies counseling and other supports have, prov- have proved in studies just as effective at managing addiction as statins are at managing cholesterol or aspirin is in preventing heart attacks. And experience suggests that many more people would make use of these treatments. If only they were easier to access in other countries and in many U S States, when the barriers to addiction treatment have been lowered treatment in t- uh, uh, uptake has increased and overdose rates have fallen. Uh, and One of the reasons they posit is a big problem for people accessing treatment is most medical professionals are still not comfortable or even familiar with the basics of addiction medicine, Mm -hmm. prescribing buprenorphine and all these other uh, opioid agonists. And as a result, all these people are missing treatment that could otherwise be getting it because there is no structure set up for these doctors to practice addiction medicine, to be taught addiction medicine, and to prescribe these medications to people that desperately need them.
1: Yeah, even things like the Sinclair method that we've talked about, just ways that these medicines can work. Um, it's not you know, disseminated to the uh, medical community.
0: No, and when you think about the scope of the problem, and they talk about the scope of the problem, that drug overdoses have killed more Americans in the past 24 years than all the U.S. wars combined. Ugh. And the annual death toll, of course, is still rising, what, 100,000... You know, opioid uh, deaths a year and climbing, 100,000 alcohol
1: deaths a year and climbing. Um, and the attitude is still they're doing it to themselves. You know, we're bad people. And right. That's why one of the reasons it's not getting the proper it's support. A,
0: right. It's a moral argument. And, and for, for those who are not persuaded by the moral arguments, there's also a practical case to be made that closing the addiction gap would be the most fiscally responsible way to manage the nation's addiction issues. It's a
1: drain on the uh, medical system, the way it's set up on top of everything else. But
0: they do a really good job of looking at the current system and saying that, um, all of these problems, you know, the judgment, the shaming, the ostracization by friends and family, the, the lack of uh, resources for addiction medicine are not, um, bugs in the system. They are a feature of the current system. Mm. Um, you know, because most medical professionals and policymakers view addiction not as a health condition, but as a matter for the criminal justice system to handle. And we've, we've talked yeah. about this ad nauseum, you know. um, I mean, basically they come down on the side that you need to stop dehumanizing people who use drugs uh, and change the way addiction um, the treatment is funded. Um, you know, and and they,
1: they go through like six points.
0: Three, yeah, this is a... Humongous article.
1: Yeah, and it starts out with a with a personal interest story, and I think that's a great way for to to look at all of the problems is to follow, and that's what this article is. Uh, it starts off where she is being prescribed buprenorphine like incorrectly by, you know, her uh, treating doctor, and just uh, and it just goes to the fact that they don't know what they're doing, um, and it's it's dangerous for addicts, and then they give up. Mm-hmm. Well, and, th- and there's really little incentive
0: for doctors to go into addiction right. medicine because the funding for treatment is so scattershot and yeah. it's so subject to the whims of politicians who some of them think that, you know, this is a criminal justice issue and should always be treated as such. And then some of them are on the other side. And so if you're going to medical school and you're investing all this time and all this money in your education... And then you get out, and you have the choice to go into addiction medicine, where mm. you may or may not be able to even make a living. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, some something that's more safe and secure. You're going to do the the latter, right? And and you know, they they interview this um, uh, person uh, who is trying to get more funding for uh, addiction treatment, who says, "I've had doctors tell me that they didn't go to medical school plus residency for seven years to have addicts sitting in their waiting room." Mm. So yeah, there yeah, is, uh, even you. in the medical community, there is this lingering perception that people are just choosing this lifestyle as opposed to you know, having a real issue. You know?
1: Yeah, and, and to think that you know, it's a type of person and that it's going to bring in some kind of riffraff into your office. And maybe sometimes it'll appear that way, but that's not really true. Addiction, as we now know, it crosses all boundaries, race, creed, socioeconomic position, money, no money. Um, broken home, you know, intact home, rich, poor, you name it. Mets fans, Yankees fans, all of them. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. Going through the
0: article with a fine-tooth comb is is a bit beyond the purview of this podcast, but Mm. I would just note that they... Come up with like a six point plan. One is to use the evidence, which is, as we said, you evidence know, based, evidence based treatment, uh, expand the workforce. That's what we I just talked about with doctors and getting more people involved in the treatment. Mm. Fix funding, you know, get the funding streams going. Uh, liberate methadone. So they have this whole section yeah. on, you know, making methadone more accessible to people. And
1: Methadone is considered in, in our community. Liquid handcuffs. Yes. Anyone I've ever met on methadone and while I was going through it all, they had to do it. It was very strict. It's dehumanizing. She writes about it in this article or the, it's in the article mm. where she tries methadone and it's like if you miss the cutoff time by one minute, they close it down like you're right. a, a bad, ch- an impertinent child, and then basically. you have to go out and score
0: drugs and on the street. So you don't sc- withdraw and you OD
1: and you die. You, you're treated like criminals, and it's not a good way to recover from anything.
0: Right, and then they well, although
1: they say that it is effective. If well, if, if you, you get if you, methadone and it's accessible, yes. and they don't abuse you over right. it, if and you
0: treat you like you, a you have to loosen the 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 strictures on it. Like instead of having to line up at a certain place or having to go to the clinic where you yeah. are registered rather than one that's closer to your house or whatever, there's a million different ways that you could, uh, you can't go liberate anywhere. methadone as they say. Yeah. You know, like I knew guys accessible. that would,
1: the, I knew guys on methadone that they couldn't even go on vacation with their families, um, unless they got a special permission and a take home quantity of methadone mm-hmm. for the weekend. You have to go every morning before work, before whatever, <clears throat> And if you wanted to go anywhere, he would need the methadone. But you had to go through all of these hoops just to get a take-home portion because they, they're like, you're going to sell it. And maybe some of them will, but it's I not mean, a good way to treat it. Imagine people.
0: putting that kind of a, a restriction on any other <laughs> Heart medication medicine. that people needed. You know, It's fucked it up. Would, it would, yeah. Uh, and then they also suggest helping the incarcerated. So when you're in prison, like uh, you know, getting people t- treatment for substance abuse and so when they come out, they don't just... You know, have the
1: same issues yeah. as when they were. in. Recidivism is a big problem,
0: and stop the infighting between the different uh, different groups uh, over treatment. So. Yeah,
1: like ma- let's just make it you know an annual basketball game about you know the harm reduction people against the abstinence people, and they can fight it out on the basketball court, It'd be yeah. like Army Navy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I encourage everybody to read that because it you know it's encouraging to
0: me that. The the Times is actually taking a serious look at this issue. Yeah, you know, uh, but what's needed is less a serious look and more like some actual money and some actual change in the system, and and maybe this will spur some conversations or spur that along
1: a little bit. Yeah, it's in the public consciousness, and uh, I'm not polit- optimistic though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Merry definitely Christmas. <laughs> here's one bit of optimism I'll, I'll offer you that. I may have some extra info only because you tell me what you think about this. Okay. The last, I'd like, say 10 psychiatrists who applied to work with my company have all had a subspecialty of addiction medicine. And I've been noticing this hmm. more and more. Like the first time I saw it, maybe last year I got a psychiatric um, CV and I was like, Oh, Oh, addiction medicine and i actually called and spoke to the doctor and i couldn't help myself once i realized i couldn't sell her on working with our company for whatever reason i was like can i just ask you a couple a couple questions and she was really sharp she was at actually harvard completing a residency or something but it was a specialization in addiction wow And i'm like i gotta get you on my podcast and i completely forgot but (laughs) i have noticed it more on uh younger psychiatrists are. Or this is popping up, and I don't know what it means for their practice when you have a subspecialty in addiction medicine. But it is a thing, so who knows? Maybe it's it's starting because it's a growth industry, and it's that's sure. the only reason. But well, hopefully the the money will follow, right? right? So there I mean, there are doctors being trained. I mean, somebody's making money off of addiction, yeah. right?
0: There's this all the runners and the rehabs and everybody, and uh, are producing? providing ineffective treatment and making yep. uh, money hand over fist. So the money is there. It just needs to be
1: directed to the right places. Yeah. Yeah. And that, my friends, is recovering the news. Recovering the news. Happy uh, holidays. Recovering the news. Well, another year gone by. I don't know if we're going to get another show in. No, we're not. Mm. Uh, we're off next two weeks. We are off. So I want to wish everyone in the MonsterVerse a very, very happy holidays. And to Mike and your family, do I have to do my regular spiel at the end? Wait, should I do that first? Yeah, you don't have to do that. That about does it for today, folks. Back at you, buddy. Back at you. And everybody out there, you know, just stick together. We are all online. If nothing else, reach out on the Facebook uh, reach out through Discord, whatever. Um, do you have any words of wisdom? Yes. Words of love, maybe. If you're
0: having a yes, well, I no, I don't start love until January. 1st. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, you guys, if you're having a hard time, you know where to find us. We're just at the other end of the email, or uh, find us on the Facebook. You know, if you're on Discord, find us on Discord. There's always somebody listening, willing to lend an ear. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're feeling like. Maybe you're, you're still drinking or, or doing drugs, whatever, and you want to stop. Um, you know, the new year is a good
1: point to pivot. Uh, dry January is coming. Right. And, and we're going to do a big... You know, maybe we'll have a, a contest or we'll, we'll put it a out contest. there. Well, if there's any monsters out there who are looking like, here's your chance. You've been listening, sitting on the sidelines like, you know what? I want to get sober. What's first prize if you win? First prize is a... You uh, get your life back. A life that you're proud of and can feel good about. <laughs> right, that's, your, right. that's your life. Second prize that's is your a set of steak knives. And as always, um, <laughs> if you love the show, please share it with a friend. And as we say... Non proficiat perfectum. Happy holidays. It's progress, not perfection. Merry Christmas,
0: Kwanzaa, Hanukkah.
1: Hanukkah and a happy new year. And that is what they say to that. Happy Stay holidays. fresh,
0: cheese bags. I'm going to send you out with some Christmas music
1: this uh, week. All right. Bye. Happy holidays. We love you. See you next time. Bye.